and welcome to Challenges That Change Us, the podcast where we talk to our guests about how their challenges have impacted them today and how they overcame them. Whether you are someone that feels like you are thriving right now, trudging through the mud or somewhere in between, this podcast is designed to give you practical advice, profound insight into your own experience and inspire you to embrace your life. My name is Ali Flynn, the co-founder and CEO of Tri Altitude Performance, and I will be your host. It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Hey, hey, welcome back, everyone. I hope you're having a fabulous week as we head into the Christmas festive season. (laughs) Isn't it just around the corner? As many of you know, we have been entered in the Australian Podcast Awards. We got an email early this week letting us know that it is now up to you as the listeners to vote for your favourite podcast. You simply, it takes a couple of minutes. All you need to do is Google australianpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. And a screen pops up for Listener's Choice Award and you search challenges that change us and place your vote. So many of you have already DM'd to say that you've gone in and done it. So thank you so much for your support. I kind of feel really taken aback that we're actually in this position where we're talking about a podcast award. Six months ago, this podcast didn't even exist. Today, I want to introduce you to a very dear and special friend of mine, Jess Galvin. Jess and her beautiful family have had more adversity than most. And I want to let you know that this episode is full of tears, laughter, and inspiration. You may need a box of tissues handy. It is a story of love, determination, and heartbreak. Jess and her legendary husband, Galvo, have been friends of mine since uni days. And six years ago, they gave birth to the most beautiful little girl called Lucy. Unfortunately, over the next few months and multiple doctor's appointments, it started to become clear that everything wasn't going to plan. Doctors from all over the world have looked at their reports, but no one can really say what's going on. Today, Jess speaks out about their family's journey for the first time. There are parts of this story that I have not even heard before. Lucy is a fighter. Her beautiful brother Jack is a champion. And as for her mum and dad, I think you will find out for yourself very soon. It's actually quite remarkable when you hear this story that Jess finds time to give to others. She's the treasurer of Proctor Place, an organization assisting vulnerable women, and also the treasurer for Sunrise Way Limited, an organization dedicated to helping people in her region overcome addictions. What blows my mind about this interview is listening to how they've navigated the past seven years as a united front, how beautifully Jess speaks about everyone in her world and the wise lessons that she's learnt. I do want to give a trigger warning for unknown childhood illness, epilepsy and seizures. Let me introduce you to this superhuman and fabulous woman, Jess. Alrighty, everyone. I would love to introduce you to one of my dearest friends, Jess Galvin, and I call her Jess Wise. We actually started this podcast and had to re-record just the beginning because I forgot to introduce her with her married name. Jess, welcome to the podcast. It's so awesome to have you on. Thanks, Alz. I'm a little bit nervous, but hopefully we will get through this okay without many tears. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think there will be a few. And you know, Jess, I think you know this, but I was really hoping that you'd come on this podcast. You have such an in- incredible story to share, but I was so aware that, you know, it is really confronting when you share it with the world. And so when I asked you, I actually thought you would say no. And when you were like, oh, I'll just do it. I was like, really? That was such a shock. So I am really looking forward to this conversation. You and I have lots and lots of chats. You've had a really tough seven years and um, I think the audience are going to take a lot away from this conversation. But what I really love to start with is just to get to know your question. And that is, if you were to use an animal to describe yourself, what animal would you use and why? Yeah. So I often listen to your podcast and I often think about this. And I think some days it depends on the day. I would like to be a unicorn or a horse because you can be wild and free. But I think most of the time I would be a monkey because I just think they're so beautiful and I love their little communities and the mums are so wonderful mothers and I just think they're beautiful animals. So a monkey. (laughs) Have you seen monkeys outside of the zoo? Like I know um, one of our common friends, Jane's been over and she worked with the monkeys for about six months. Have you ever seen them like in the wild or out in another country? Because I know you did some travel. Yeah, with um, some friends, we went and saw them in Africa and they were in the wild and it was just beautiful. Yeah, I just, I could watch them all day. They're beautiful. Yeah. How long were you in Africa? Oh, we just went for a couple of weeks. It was lovely. Yeah. A bit of a girl's trip. It was a real eye-opener to the rest of the world. Just after we finished uni, it was, yeah, a lot of fun. What was your favourite part? Favourite part? Well, I love the country. It was a beautiful country. But also, you know, we just put ourselves in such crazy situations. We are backpacking around Africa. Like, who does that? Um, so we probably didn't think too much about the safety aspects of it. <laughs> and, um, there was a few few scary moments, but um, I think it was just being with my friends, experiencing another country and culture and, and um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy wild time, but it was a lot of fun, so. Can we remember this conversation when our children tell us that they're going to backpack around Africa? Like, can we remember? Yeah, I'm going to Yeah, I didn't even have my uh, card working, so I I could only get like cash out. I couldn't buy anything on my credit card and stuff. So <laughs> like, uh, it was just a mess. Like, lucky the other girls were with me because I just yeah, <laughs> I had like no money. Like, really. <laughs> Uh, it was a disaster. It's really funny because you're actually one of my friends that's highly organised and so that makes me laugh thinking that you went over there without a card. No, yeah, no, no. I was terribly organised. I did have all my shots though. I had all my, (laughs) you know, I was fully covered with my medicine and all up to date there. So, but yeah, anyway, yeah. And Jess, just tell us a little bit about you, like a little bit about where you grew up and what's kind of gotten you to where you are today before we get into your story. Yep. So I grew up in Stanthorpe on a cattle property. My dad is an embryo transfer vet, so he travels all around the country and isn't home that much. So I would spend my school holidays on the road with my dad doing cattle work, which I loved. And that was great going out and seeing all the countryside. And just being with him because we're, we're quite close. Even though he's never at home, I still call him at least twice a day. So, um, so that was nice. Still to this day? Yeah, still to this day, yeah. And then I went to boarding school in Toowoomba for three years and then off to uni in Armadale where I met you at Albies. I worked at the Newey, loved that. That was 
uh, I would have never left. I just really loved working at the pub. I think there's a tradition that if you go to college in Armadale that you have to do like a segment of work at the Newey. Like anyone that's not from Armadale, (laughs) this is one of the like traditional pubs that I think most of us have worked there, whether it was a week, a year, three years, but most people have done a stint. Yeah, well, I probably worked there a good four or five years. I loved it. Yeah. It was a great time. And, you know, sometimes I can be a bit shy, so it really pushed me out there. And um, so now I have no problem talking to anyone. So that was that was very good for me. And then I thought I probably should start putting my degree to use. So I got a job at an accounting firm in town in audit, which turned out to be wonderful because, yeah, I love chatting to people and I get to go out on site. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely the job for me. From there, I transferred to Brisbane at the same firm and then I transferred to Toowoomba. I met my hubby Galvo at uni as well. Um, So that's why I transferred to Brisbane because he got a job in Brisbane. And then when we were thinking it's time we got serious, we've been together eight years, probably should get married. So we moved back to Toowoomba because we thought (laughs) that that's where we should raise our family. So I got a transfer back to Toowoomba yeah, to come here. And and now you have your own business. Yeah. And so now I have my own business. Um, it's just getting hard. We've got two kids now with the juggle of motherhood and working full time. And uh, it was just getting a bit crazy. So I thought, well, actually, when I, I left my previous firm, I've been there 15 years and I actually didn't really know what I was going to do. I just um, was pretty tired and a bit burnt out. So... I quit. I gave them six months notice, which I had to do. And then I just thought about it for a little while. And I started my own business two weeks before COVID hit. So that wasn't the greatest start. And I was going to have a nice little quiet, you know, slowly build up my business and have some time to myself and, you know, just get the equilibrium a bit more straight instead of all over the shop but yeah then I did homeschooling and so my son who we weren't really going to talk about we had just repeated him with prep because he wasn't quite ready with prep and I was trying to homeschool and it was horrendous because my son got diagnosed with ADHD just after we'd finished the homeschooling. um, I just was like, oh, my goodness, just sit there. And he couldn't and didn't realise it was because he had ADHD. So that was a really tough homeschooling period. So I feel for anyone in Melbourne with their huge lockdowns and, you know, we still had space and being able to – and we had a tiny amount of lockdown, so I don't know how other people did it because that was intense anyway all over hopefully now yes and also just like (laughs) you opening your business two weeks before and then having two young kids so your son's the oldest and then you had little loose which we're going to be talking about today and trying to build that business and now you're crazy busy with work like I love it that you said you're going to start slowly it's just like taken off into the universe yeah I'm very lucky there's lots of people around Toowoomba that support me yeah and I just it's been I'm just so lucky, yeah, ours. Like there's so many people that have reached out and offered their support and how can they help me and I get so many referrals. I haven't really done any any uh, work to try and get clients. I just, it's all been referrals and um, it's just been wonderful. Like Toowoomba's a really wonderful place and I'm very lucky to where we live, so. 
Yeah. And that's a testament to you, Jess, and it's so nice, you know, when people hear your story today, I just want them to remember this part of the conversation because, you know, you guys have done it so tough and to know that you've got a whole town behind you and that they respect the work that you do and that you can get those referrals and I just think if one part of the pie is working really well, that's yeah. great, you know. Yeah, that's true. 100%. We are going to dive into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it might be a good time to have a bit of a chat. We will duck in and out of maybe even around Jack and that ADHD. Yep. But today we've brought you on to talk about Luce and what's happened over the last seven years with her. Yep. Do you want to take us to the beginning of the story? Yeah, okay. So I had Jack and I was really hoping for a girl, but if it was a boy, it didn't matter as long. Like, And I think every parent is the same. As long as your child is happy and healthy, then that's all you care about. Anyway, so I had Lucy. And when they told me that it was a girl, I got a bit emotional and um, was crying. And they're like, because I had to have her by a Caesar. They were like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I'm just um, like really happy. <laughs> like, it's nothing um, happening medically. Oh. Anyway, so that was just beautiful. I was so excited. When she was born, she had like a bit of a cover over her eye. Like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like a bit of yellowy film over one of her eyes and asked the Pete about it and he was like, oh, no, it's fine. It will probably go away when uh, she gets older. And I'm like, yep, no worries. And then she had these red dots on her that now I've forgotten the medical term. So I asked Pete about them. And because she had more than seven, we had to have a brain and liver scan to make sure that they weren't on her brain and liver. When you say that there were red dots, do you mean there were red dots on the outside of her skin? Yeah, just like little red freckles. Every parent that's listening to this right now is going to check their kid's skin. So that's why yeah. they yeah, check no, it. No. But they're just like little red but freckles. But they're quite obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so then we got the brain and liver scan and um, she didn't actually have them on her brain and liver, but they found that she actually had some brain damage. And our Pete said, you know, we can do further testing or or we don't because there could be a lot of people that have brain damage and you just live your whole life and you never know. So we chose that we wouldn't test any further because potentially we're putting the hospital for the cart and, um, you know, we were very optimistic that it would just be um, and I think and I guess I was still in my little baby bubble of joy <laughs> and I didn't want anything bursting that so we just um kept going and then this um bit of film on her eye it just wasn't going away and it just kept getting a bit worse and worse and so I kept going back to the GP and they're like no nah, it's fine anyway after a while of hustling them we ended up getting a referral to Lady Salento which is now the children's hospital in Brizzy and we went down there and sorry, Alice, I'm starting already. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. We were, we were never going to make it through this interview no, we without tears. Yeah, yes, that's we were right. Never make it through. <laughs> it's so funny because you live it every day. It's okay. Just take a breath. Yeah, you live it every day and it just becomes normal. You don't really think about it. But then when you start like doing this, you start thinking about it and it just still comes flooding in. Yeah, so we went down there and they're like, no, it's just a pterygium and, you know, it's fine, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And then it got to the stage like a couple of weeks after that and it just looked like the fat of a steak that was on her eye and it was like basically covering half her eye. 
And I was like, that can't just be something they don't worry about. So I got back down there, <laughs> I got my, another referral, got down there and we found this beautiful ophthalmologist and she's like, yeah, let's go do some scans and um, we'll get tested. And luckily we were able to get in straight away, which straight away, it's like a couple of weeks, which uh, <laughs> anyone that's done anything with the medical system, that's like very fast. Yes, but it feels like oh, a lifetime though. So like it feels like a couple a of weeks is so fast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, we did the scans under general. So Lisa's now been under general at least 15 times for all her tests. And uh, it's like a walk in the park now. And I, sorry, diverting, but I talked to other mothers and they're just having their kid go under general for the very first time. And their kid would be like, I don't know older and I'm like oh it's fine and then I have to remember no remember that very first time and that was like very daunting and scary for you so you got to take it back and remember that like because now it's just oh yeah that just happens like it's it's, or once we're down there actually both the kids went under general on the very same day an hour apart so oh my god we've had lots of tests anyway so um, yeah so we just anyway so that doesn't phase us but I I've got to constantly be mindful that it is very daunting to others anyway so we had the scan and her ophthalmologist came out straight away and she said well the good news is it's not brain cancer and I was like oh god I didn't even know we were testing for brain cancer so thank god (laughs) and she said but the bad news is that she has veins on the left hand side of her brain in excess like Lucy just has this huge abnormal vein network and it was putting pressure on her eye and that's why we're getting the essentially fatty steak on the eye and then from there, that just opened floodgates because we're like, okay, cool, what does that mean? Like, how do we treat it? We're very practical, so, okay, we've found, a, we found something. Let's get it sorted and get it fixed. And then everyone's like, we don't know. We don't know what's caused this. We don't even know what's called. We don't know anything. So then that just, um, yeah, was a lot more testing and we sent her results all around the world. Canada, um, America, different hospitals around um, the country. We have a team of neurosurgeons, neurologists, ophthalmology all working to try and work out what it is. And um, it is just constant test after test after test and never finding anything. And I remember once um, she was about one year old and we just had more tests. I was walking out and I was just like, oh, bloody wish it was brain cancer. And, oh, gosh, I was, who says that about their own kid? Who wishes that they had cancer? Especially when you're at the children's hospital and you see all these beautiful, beautiful kids that are just so battling. And, and my kid essentially, you know, is reasonably healthy apart from this abnormal vein network that we have no idea about or what that means going forward. We didn't know what that means developmentally. We don't know what that means. Life expectancy, nothing. It's just all wait and see. And I just really wanted some kind of action plan on what we could do and and how we fix it. And there's none. So it's just constant waiting and hoping for the best. We haven't tested the rest of her body, but probably is spread all throughout the left side of her body. 
And the reason we haven't tested is because it's not raising any issues anywhere else. So potentially it could be around her heart or anywhere else. Anyway, so we don't know. So we've got all that. And then she was probably, I don't know, six months old. I noticed a little tremor in her arm and everyone told me I was crazy. And I'm like, no, it is definitely there. Go back to the GP, get referred to the hospital and we had tested yeah, and say so she's got epilepsy. So then we started all the drugs for that and we have been through so many drugs. We've tested them all. Actually, the last six months is probably the first time that we haven't been on two different types of epilepsy drugs. We're just on one at the moment and she's kind of stable but we still have um, episodes and seizures and because um, we're on the epilepsy drugs, a lot of them have a lot of side effects and then as she's got older she was getting like really really aggressive and uh, and uh, you know and that could have been a side effect of a drug and oh like at one stage I thought I was raising a bloody serial killer she was just so crazy anyway we changed the drugs and and it turns out it, you know that wasn't actually her that was the drug so yeah anyway so yeah it's just been a roller Roller, roller coaster. But, um, yeah, we've been really lucky because we do have a lot of support around us as well. Like we've found some really wonderful doctors. And through that time, I was working full time while we're doing all that. And so we had this beautiful daycare. Gosh, Charles, that was so lovely. They just treated her as one of their own. You know, she'd have seizures there that she'd scare the living daylights out of them. And uh, they're just so beautiful. And one one daycare lady there in particular, she just had Lucy all the time. And now we're friends on Facebook and, you know, she just loves watching Lucy grow. And she was one of Lucy's biggest advocates and she's just beautiful. And, yeah, it's just so nice. And we've got a really good paid doctor and we love him. And, um, yeah, we're just really lucky. But none of the services, except for our paid, is in, in Toowoomba, so we have to go to Brizzy all the time. So especially in that first year when she was getting tested all the time, it would be almost every week I'd be down in Brizzy for another test. So my little baby, you know, six months off, was just spent constantly back and forth to Brizzy. So. And there's another child in the mix, you know. Like yeah, that, yeah, know, yeah. Weekly. Two hours yeah. away to the hospital and the stress and then there's Jack, you know? Like- yeah. So, yeah, it was a massive, massive juggle. So, yeah, daycare. Luckily, my mum, she's in stand-up too and um, she comes up all the time and, and constantly helping us out. So she would look after Jack a lot whilst I would go to Brizzy. And, you know, at the start, sometimes Gavin would come with those appointments with me. Um and yeah and then daycare and just um constantly racing that's what our life is about <laughs> constantly racing between appointments and mum's been here and she's been great and she's because Lucy's all her issues and her seizures and and everything and she's quite far behind developmentally like she's at least three years behind other kids so it's very hard because now she's like the same size as a normal kid but developmentally she still hasn't learnt like sharing and taking turns so she'll just push other kids out of the way or push us out of the way and and um when they get older it hurts a lot more 
Anyway, so it's very hard to find anyone to look after us. So it's basically just my mum. So <laughs> we're very lucky. Um, she comes down and helps out. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you are and you'd like to learn more or engage further with our podcast community, you can do this in our Facebook group. Just search for Challenges That Change Us on Facebook or look in the link in our show notes. In this group, we'll be sharing extra content and giving further background to our episodes. So I hope to see you there. But for now, let's get back to the episode. Jess, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I'm aware that, you know, there's there's so much I want to ask you, but just when you're talking about someone to care, like you and you and Gabo and Jack, you guys don't get to go out for dinner on a Friday night. Like you don't get to go away for the weekend and leave your kids with the babysitter or, you know, you don't have that privilege mm. at the moment because of like Luce's medical concerns. Yeah, so if we do anything, it's generally as a family or it would be mostly it's me. <laughs> I'll go out and go has to look after the kids, which is, but, you know, that's our life and that's that's what it is. But, yeah, we're a strong very strong family unit, I guess you could say. I do constantly worry about Jack, you know, because we spend so much time with Lucy and it's not like fun stuff really. It's just going to doctors and different specialist appointments and stuff like that and just trying to get that balance of making sure that we're there for him as well. Uh, it's hard, house because Lucy's fun stuff. She doesn't get any fun stuff really. It's going to doctors and specialists and stuff. But Jack sees that as just our one-on-one time with Lucy all the time and not him getting any time. So it's just, um, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't think we'd ever know if we're doing it right, but I do have a friend and I actually asked her last week. She has a, a sister that's a bit disabled and I'm like, how did you feel growing up? Like, how was it for you? What did your parents do to make it easier on you? Because, you know, yeah, you're just constantly thinking, what, or, I don't know. All parents screw up their kids, I'm sure. What did she say? Oh, she just said, you know, you're just going to make sure that you have that special time with them and and um, just make sure that they always know that they're loved. She's a beautiful person and her whole family is beautiful people, so I don't know if I could raise my kid a little bit like how her parents raised her and her family. I would we'd be doing very well, so, yeah. Jess, you are doing so well. I'm going to stop you there and tell you that you and Gavo are doing so unbelievably well. The pressure that you guys are under over the last seven years, it has not stopped. Just so that the audience knows, every time I ring you, we have, I think you and I had a discussion about three years ago that we would book a family holiday together when we did six months when we weren't in hospital. I think we made that like, yeah, when we know that we've done a six-month period and we haven't. Between our two families, there hasn't been six months. I don't think you guys have been two months. Like No. Yeah, it's pretty full on. I don't even know if we've even explained the gravity of this situation. And, like, how often is Luz having seizures now? Is it daily, weekly, monthly? Oh, uh, no, we're probably, yeah, it's probably closer to monthly. We haven't had a really bad one again since um, March. She had a pretty, pretty bad one. That was pretty horrific. It was a full tonic-clonic one. What does that look like? Yeah, well, this was a tonic-clonic one, so you could have, 
got a pen drawn all down the left side of her body because her veins are on the left, so that means that everything's affected on the right. And her right was just the whole arm, leg, eye, mouth, right of the mouth. Everything was just shaking. And, you know, when Lucy has her seizures, she mostly just stops breathing without the shaking and she – or a tiny little tremor. But anyway, she just had full tonic clinic and we'd – we had an emergency meds to give to her and called the AMBO and stuff and the emergency meds didn't work and then the AMBO gave her meds and then that didn't really work and we got halfway down the driveway and Gavo and Jack are following us and I'm in the ambulance. I mean, not down the driveway, down the road. Um, we had to pull off on the side of the road because another ambulance had come and met us and they're trying to get the catheter in to try and give us some more drugs to stop the seizures and because um, of Lucy's veins, they couldn't really get the catheter in and so they had like so many attempts and poor Lucy. Anyway, we got into town and... And it was, and we got some more drugs in her and um, half awake and kept her, it seemed, and more meds and got her settled. And um, yeah, it's fine. But um, Jack, <laughs> he never slept as a kid. Like for three years, he didn't sleep because he had a soft trachea. So everything would come up. So keep him awake. He slept through that whole ambulance. <laughs> so funny anyway uh, <laughs> got all these ambos coming in and out of the house and yeah <laughs> yeah and he was asleep because i remember our conversations we used to have the most conversations when you had jack around our reflux babies and who didn't sleep and yeah and i just remember thinking god jess and gabo are doing it so tough at the moment like i used to think that all the time and then that was before you know everything yeah. happened was loose and i just you know, I and then it was like, whoa, we thought that was difficult. <laughs> yeah. 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 So after Jack, I was like, oh, my gosh, because he was born with a soft trachea, so he couldn't keep the food down um, and were constantly coming up. And so we had heaps of hospital visits with him as a baby too because um, then he would have asthma and he'd get bronchitis because his chest would constantly get infected. Yeah, I was actually in the hospital once and – Gavo was down for his grandpa's funeral, actually, and I was calling him to say, Jack and I are up at the hospital. And um, the phone, oh, well, first of all, I wanted to make sure that Jack was going to be fine before I called Gavo because he was like 10 hours away and I didn't want him just panicking and jumping in the car and coming. So, yeah, I dealt with all that and then we got him stabilised and he was fine. We are up on the ward and I, then I called him and it was like six in the morning and I yeah he just, I'm like it's fine it's fine he's all sorted now we're up on the ward and we're all great and he just jumped in the car and raced up but anyway but it's the hardest thing in the world being away from your children when they're sick I think yeah it's like, as much as you want to have a break it's like it's worse if you're not there yeah so we thought after having Jack that and we had Lucy pretty close because our theory was that we weren't sleeping anyway so what would another baby it wouldn't make any difference yeah, so they're just under two years apart. And we thought after Jack, yeah, this baby's going to be a dream baby and because um, we deserve a dream baby. <laughs> and then she's like, you thought that was bad. Try this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, needless to say, we're not trying for a third. No, <laughs> no. So let's talk about some of the practicality of it. Let's talk about, you know, how have you navigated these last seven years? Like when you think through 
the whirlwind that you guys have been on, not so much emotionally because, my God, I can't even begin to imagine what you and Gabo have been through emotionally. I don't want to drop you into that any more than we have. What about practically? Like how have you guys managed it? What have you found helped? What didn't work? Yeah, okay. Well, I guess um, my first thing that I think all mothers is trust your gut because so many people, like even Gilva, when I saw Lucy's tremor in her arm, he's like, no, nah, there's nothing. Like, no, you know, because he said, he said that because he just couldn't deal with another thing. So he's like, no, nah, you know, I can't deal with it. And I was like, no, you know, you really end that thing on her eye like everyone's like no it's fine and you just got to keep pushing and pushing because I think mums really do know they they know so that's my number one tip if you've got an inkling is to trust it yes and when you get told that no it's fine you almost weigh up am I being a hypochondriac like yeah you know am I overreacting here or do I need to follow through with this and I think that's that part that you're talking about there's no harm in following through if you have that gut instinct. And that's my other top tip is video or photograph it because, yeah, when Jack was a baby, everyone kept telling me, no, you're a first-time mum, they don't sleep. And I'm like, yeah, I get that, but I don't think that this is right. So I videoed it and I took it to a ped and he's like, oh, yeah, that's a soft dream. So then, like, you know, you have to have that support because it's hard to try and explain it when you're in it at doctors as well. Like it's better to just be able to show them. So it, like that bad seizure Lee's had back in March, I don't know. I think I must just switch off because I just went, right, she's having a seizure. I went and got the phone. I started videoing it. And, you know, whilst I was on the phone to the ambulance, like, so then I could show her neurologist because I, I just must go into, right, this is what we've got to do. This, and, you know, I'm like, okay, Gabby, you stay with her for a bit. I've got to go get changed because I'm going with the, in the ambulance, like, and it's not, I don't know how I do that. But yeah. Well, it's the fight flight response. You go into fight. You're like, what needs to be done? Yep. I'm just going to do this, this, and this. Yeah. Really practical. But I think what you said there is is a really, really good tip and I want to just reiterate that is around the photography and the videos. So that's something that we use on a regular basis. Only last week I bought up my videos for a doctor and they were like, oh, my God, how come no one has asked X, Y, Z? And I realised I hadn't showed anyone the photos. Yeah. So I've been collecting these little videos of things and little photos of things and my husband's like, stop photographing. Like you're, you're <laughs> being too focused and your lens is too in. And now it's actually an indication of a different condition. So, I mean, that's I guess there's that other part is that you and your husband will do it so differently and that is completely okay. That is completely normal and healthy to respond and react differently to a situation and part of the biggest challenge when there's medical in your life is how do you navigate that with your partner, right? Yeah, and I think because I probably do go so practical that at the end when everything's, you know, back to normal, we're back home, I just like, oh, I just shut down, like oh, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, whereas he's like, yep, good to go. Like So, and, you know, that's great because we're yeah. yin and yang. So it works perfect because if we both shut down, then we'll be in the world of her. Yes. And my other top tip is never Dr. Google, especially because you, Dr. Google, and you bring up those all the symptoms that Lucy has and she's, per Dr. Google, she should be dead like in a month or two. Like it's, and um, so, and I think maybe with Lucy, because we don't actually know what she has and it's constantly wait and see, Dr. Google is, 
terrible for us. I think maybe if we had a condition and we were able to research into that condition, but because we don't have a condition, yeah, I strongly advise against Dr. Google because <laughs> so, it just leads to so much more stress. It's that fine line between educating yourself, having enough like knowledge is power kind of conversation versus Dr. Google trying to diagnose and trying to work out how long or how bad it's going to be because that's the reason if you think about specialists, they have not only done a medical degree, they go on and specialize and some of them have had 10 to 15 years of study before even the practical to specialize in this tiny part of anatomy and Dr. Google can't go into that and then they've got all the life experience and when you're talking about something rare, unique, unknown, it's like the doctors don't even know. So there's no way that Dr. Google can know. I mean, yep. Dr. Google knows a lot, but can't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's, um, yeah. One other thing is that we were quite desperate for services. So we were, you know, Lisa's speech is behind, behaviour therapy, OT, her, you know, her fine and gross motor skills aren't, there so we're trying to find all these services and just really desperate and there's a wait list for everyone else like we were on two-year wait list I think in Toowoomba to get into speechy so we were doing it online and we did find some great online people but there were some that you know they weren't a right fit and it was just it was creating a lot more stress than what it's worth so I think sometimes you know you can be desperate but you're not that desperate so find the people that fit for your family because it's probably sometimes it's just not worth having that extra stress so find the providers and just just to get a bit of a picture about what it looks like for you now in your world like we've just kind of heard what it was like coming through and really we only discussed the first year just then when we were talking about that for the audience, like we didn't really get into year three, year five, year six, like, you know, but now that she's about to turn seven, what does life look like for you now? Well, she's at school, so she's in prep. This is her first year of school and, yeah, it's been challenging. Her teachers are amazing. Oh, gosh, they're saints. I don't know sometimes how they do it because, as I said, Lucy's developmental age isn't there as the other kids and Lucy doesn't understand sharing and caring and, and all those kind of things yet. You know, it's a lot trickier. So, yeah, so anyway, um, we chose her school because the school for the kids based on Lucy's special needs. So Jack went to that school because we wanted one school and they got a beautiful special needs department and yeah, it's just such a lovely school. We're very, very blessed to be at that school. And they're kind and caring for Lucy, but, oh, my gosh, I was like, oh, there's so many days I pick her up and the teacher's like, yep, I've had a bad day today. You know, she's hit this kid and she's done that. And and Galvin and I, we would never hit anyone. We'd never raise our voice. So I'm like, who is this kid? How have we got there anyway? But um, it's just because she, I guess essentially she's like six turning seven in Feb, but she's still in like those terrible threes kind of, you know, like, and you've got to try and remember that still. And can we just give credit where credit's due as well? She's on a a huge amount of medication. Her yep. life has been a whirlwind. She has, you know, in her own little brain, she doesn't know what's going on around her. Like no. even even without that delay intellectually, it's like most kids, Jess, most kids would not be coping in this scenario. You yeah. Know? And to think that she is at school is amazing, but there's going to be really tough days. There's going to yeah. be, an, oh. There really is. For and you um, and for her and for Gals and Jack. 
Yeah, so it was getting like, especially the last couple of weeks actually, yeah, she's been terrible anyway. And I was just starting to get really anxious about picking her up and hearing about the day. And then the other day I parked to go get her and this man came out of his house and just random act of kindness and gave me this big bunch of sweet peas. And I was like, oh my goodness, how beautiful is this world? <laughs> it's just like on a day that I really needed it and this friend oh it's just so lovely anyway I cried when it came to me but it was just really lovely anyway she has also this year she's been diagnosed she's also got the ADHD and she's got ODD which you know I'm learning all these acronyms but ODD is oppositional defiance disorder and her PED said that that's probably from all her doctor's appointments and never getting a say in, in what she wants so you know for her whole life so um now that's coming out very strong (laughs) so that's another challenge and so Jess I was thinking normally I ask at the end of the podcast but I think this might be a really good place to ask it is you know how can the audience help and I'm wondering because you and I had this conversation I think it was only last week around where do we go for all that information you know yeah um oppositional defiance disorder so if there's anyone listening to this podcast and you have resources at your fingertips around ADHD or ODD like if you know somewhere something someone pop it in the challenges that change us group chat because Jess will see that because this is you're navigating this territory now aren't you Jess this is all new for you yeah this is all new yep yeah would that be helpful yeah absolutely and I do think since having Lucy, we have met a lot of other people with um, kids with special needs as well. And it's just building that community because there's so many things that I didn't know about, you know, because Lucy was born with the brain damage, we were on a high-risk program at the Toowoomba Base Hospital for until she was five. So they did her, you know, we did the physio. We had to work really hard on her right side and getting that moving as well as, um, you know, because otherwise that was just essentially laying dormant and wasn't developing as her left side and, you know, the all those, those um, kind of things. And then we were off that program and we're like, oh, okay, how are we going to keep these services up? And then we found out about the NDIS and, and got onto that program. But, you know, we weren't on that program at the start and we could have been. So, yeah, and it's just like I don't know. There's not one place to go find all the answers. There never is. So it's just constantly learning new things and having that support group around you that's also been there and they're still learning. We're all still learning. And it's probably a lifelong journey of learning the medical field. You know, I'm an accountant. I don't know anything about medical. I am also, though, very, very lucky that I have quite a few medical people in my family. Um, My two sister-in-laws are doctors, my stepbrother's a doctor, and that has been immensely valuable to us because we've been able to get referrals and, um, you know, know the people that we need to reach out to. And you and I talk about this a lot too. We are so lucky that we do have those contacts because there is a lot of people out there that don't have those contacts and they don't know where to go. They just, you know, you... They could have been like me going to GP and the GP's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And, you know, I was just able to keep pushing. 
Yeah, so very lucky to have contacts. And the finances. We talk about the finances finances, as well. Like how do people do it if they don't have the doctors in their family that encourage them to keep pushing, the support of their partners who are like beside them every single step of the way, and the financial means to pay for the test, to pay for accommodate. This is the part that we haven't spoken about, Jess. You know, when you go to Brisbane, there's accommodation, there's food, there's lack of work pay, there's like the the expense is like phenomenal. Phenomenal, right? Yeah. And then all the drugs, you know, like we spend yeah. a couple hundred a month on all our drugs that we need. Yeah. So it does, it bloody adds up. The only good news about that is that um, you're not going on holidays, so you can use all your holiday no. money to pay for the medical. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And you're 100% right, Alice, because we can't, like our Pete said, you know, where you go on holidays, just make sure that they have a good hospital because, and it's true, like, I don't know, was it two years ago? We went to Yamba with family holiday and I was like, oh, you know, it's still close enough to everything. Anyway, we ended up in hospital again and at Lismore. So we went down to Lismore and they were going to chopper her to Brisbane. Anyway, and it, but it turned out fine. But um, so then we're like, right, just make sure – you know, you stay next to something with a, a big hospital. hospital. And that was probably, you know, a bit of a fine line, Yamba to Lismore. But um, anyway, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely, we're never going overseas, that's for sure. But you don't know any different, right? Like how far is it from Yamba to Lismore to give the audience an idea? Oh, I don't know. I can't even remember ours because we actually went to McLean Hospital first and then from McLean Hospital they said, no, we don't have those services. You've got to go to Lismore Hospital. So we just uh, went to a few hospitals. So I'm not really sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Jess, what's coming up for me is to ask about what do you hope for? Like what, what are the things that uh, you think about and dream about and hope for for the future? Yeah. Good question. Uh, I would really love Lacey to be a bit independent, you know, so when she is older maybe we could get her into some assisted living. I don't know. That really scares me actually, Arles, because I'm like, ugh. You know, when she's 18, she'd probably still have to be living with us or I don't know. We did just, we worked out how to use a fork this year, so that's very exciting. Uh, so she is like, you know, getting there with stuff. So, yeah, it's like our little milestones that probably a lot of people just take for granted. It's yeah. a huge win in our family. So Yes. The toileting would be awesome too, but, you know, at least we get to the toilet. But, um, yeah, so there's things like that. Yeah, so I don't really know. I was, I don't know what I don't. Oh, I would love there to be like a a cure, but I, or you know, or a diagnosis probably wonderful. But you know, I've given up probably on that being you know, really available to us. But you know, love just Lucy just to used to say, you know, you just want a happy, healthy kid, as I said earlier. <laughs> now I just really settle for a happy kid at the moment. So, yeah. And we're getting there. Like yeah. she's been – she's uh... going to make me cry again. I thought we were <laughs> done with yeah. crying. Yeah. We actually – we've just had two great weekends <gasps> oh. in a row where I was like, we don't really do anything. And two weekends in a row we went to the races and then we went to the rodeo last weekend. And usually we can't do those kind of things and we've just done two of them. So, you know, we're winning. <laughs> We're on fire, so yeah, it's been great. So, and she's been really happy, so yeah. And Jess, the time has flown like we're already nearly at the end of the interview. I can't believe it, but I guess 
I want to ask you, is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you would like to say to the audience? Yeah, one of my things that I've learned is that wine doesn't always help. And I think for me, I don't know, I like my I don't have much time. It's between doctor's appointments, work, and and uh, that's it. <laughs> so I was coming home and, you know, having my wine and then I would, you know, trying to use that to calm down. Probably and with COVID and everything, it was just getting too much. So like last year I actually took a year off drinking. I've read this book and it said you can have a month of drinking, but what does that really achieve if you can't do a year? So and I was like, am I an alcoholic? So I can prove that I'm not an alcoholic by not drinking for a year. And I did that and then I have reset and um, so now I don't need the wine all the time. But I think it was also contributing to the anxiety. I'd wake up during the night just stressing about everything. And I think there's such a culture these days where it's all like mums have a wine. Oh, I've had a bad day, mums have a wine. Like, And, and all my Facebook feed is just mums having wine. And I think, you know, that's great if you can – do that, but it doesn't help, you know, um, if you enjoy it and you're just having one or two. And it sneaks up very easily, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it just sneaks yeah. in. It's like one goes to two and one night goes to two nights and two nights goes to three nights and then there's another, something else happens medically and it's like, well, now I need a wine because that's my downtime and we associate that feeling. Yeah, so I've um, stepped back on that and I, I just think that, um, yeah. I actually had also just joined a committee um, for drug and alcohol rehabilitation. So I was like, that's great timing as well. So um, I do have my wine occasionally again now, but, um, you know, I, I don't need it, I think. And Jess, I just want to ask you on that because I know I said that the podcast is coming to an end, but there will be so many people right now that are like, but how did you do it? Like how did you actually stop drinking? So how oh. did you, were the, th- were the tools and strategies you used to stop drinking or was it cold turkey and pure mental? Yeah, cold turkey and pure mental. That was it. I just went from New Year's Day, I'm not drinking, and I just didn't. So I did have um, non-alcoholic wine when I went to, like, social things or stuff, so I still felt like I was a part of everyone. But, um, yeah, it was actually surprisingly easy. And what did you do on the dark days and the down days? Like, what did you reach for when you couldn't have a wine and you had a really shit day? You know, as I'm very lucky because I have Galvo and he is so supportive and sometimes I don't know how he puts up with me because <laughs> He's a bloody saint and he's always there for me and um, I know we are such a strong unit and very lucky. And, you know, Jack, he is such a beautiful kid and he gets it and he will know, like, when it's been a hard day or or not and, yeah, he just comes up and cuddles and stuff and, oh, gosh, he's such a little cool dude. love him so much and even Lise, like, Oh, I just don't know how she does it. She is bloody strong kid, like all those tests and the doctors and, um, yeah, and, like, with her speech, you know, you could tell that she knows what she wants and she just can't get it out and it's so frustrating and, you know, most of the time these days especially she's really happy and then every now and then she'll come out with something, like, really smart. I'm like, oh, my goodness, where'd that come from? <laughs> like, maybe, yeah, I don't know. It, um, she... When she's having good days, she loves the cuddles and she's starting to get into that pretend play that most kids are into. So she's just starting to like like her dolls and stuff. 
you know, I still need to pretend to play with her, but she's, um, yeah, she's coming along there. So, yeah, she's very resilient. <laughs> she's a bloody tough kid and she stands up for herself, which is something I don't do and, you know, I'm not very good at it. And she has that in Ace of Spades and, <laughs> yeah. And, Jess, I guess I've just heard you talk about everyone in the family, but the part that comes up for me is how freaking tough you are. Like when you talk about loose with resilience, I just want to say to you publicly that you are one of the most resilient, strong, unbelievable women I've ever met in my entire life. And the thing that we've heard throughout this podcast and I hear every time I talk to you is your positivity. Like I constantly am in awe about how how you have any positivity left. You know, I mean that. I sometimes think, where are you getting that from? Like, can I come and dive in the same pool? Can I come and like, can I just be around you for a day? Because you do, I know it's been shit and I know it's been hard and I know you and I have cried nearly this whole podcast, but (laughs) you ooze this like hope and this this sense of groundedness and being anchored in this chaotic world. And I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that for you because I don't know that people tell you that very often. Oh, thank you. That's beautiful. But, you know, you are exactly the same. (laughs) You've got just as much, if not more, happening than me. And you are all the time. I know that I can call you and I'll end up starting in tears and end up you're laughing, so you're exactly the same. <laughs> Which is where we should go now, right? Like yeah. we always finish, you and I always finish our conversations laughing, right? There's guaranteed, yeah. I can tell everyone right now, we get on the phone and we start with, are you in hospital? Like, are you free? Are you in the <laughs> And then we go into, because you won't believe what's just happened, and then we go into the whole rim roll. We both cry. We both say it's really shit. A We're lot not of coding. swearing. This is just yeah. like, oh, my God, a lot of swearing, more than what we can ever put on this podcast. And then we laugh, right? And then we laugh for a good 15 minutes, get off, text each other in an hour and be like, that was the dose I needed. So yeah. let's let's talk about what makes you laugh because I love to finish the podcast with who or what in your world truly makes you belly laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I've got so many beautiful friends. Oh, I'm so, so blessed. And I think, um, yeah, it's all my friends catching up and, you know, and we don't get to catch up that often really. But um, when we do, it's like nothing's changed and we're back to old carefree uni days. And, um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And I have also decided that 30s was a pretty shit time, so 40s is going to be awesome. I can't wait till I turn 40. It's I'm going to be 40 and fabulous. Fabulous 40s. <laughs> yeah, fabulous 40s. Yeah. That's where we're headed. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking what we need is just uh, Albie's reunion. So yes. anyone that's listening that's from Albie's, let's all get together and forget that we have any responsibility in our lives and just have a weekend of fun. That sounds awesome. <laughs> let's do that. Sign me up and I'll <laughs> tell me in advance so I can put my mum in. Yep. oh Jess thank you so much for coming on how are you feeling because you were super nervous and rightly so so, right like this is as personal as it gets guys this is it does not get any more personal you know how are you feeling now Uh, I feel like I've just done a huge therapy session (laughs) who needs a shrink I've got you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you feel lighter yeah. though you do yeah, feel I do. lighter I feel good thanks Alice. yeah it was awesome yeah 
Thank you. And gals, if you're listening to this, mate, to Jess's husband, if you're listening, we are 100% behind you as well. You are freaking phenomenal. One of my dearest friends in the entire universe and such a shout out to your whole family, Jess. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure people are going to get so much value out of it. And I just, I love you guys so much. Love you too. Thanks, Alz. Oh, that was a pretty big interview. As you guys can tell, Jess and Gals are some of my closest friends and it's definitely the interview I've cried in the most, but I really did mean what I said at the end that they both look so positively into the future. I most days think how, how, how do they find certainty in such an uncertain world? How do they keep the anxiety at bay? How do they constantly just logistically deal with all the medical appointments and work and a couple of kids? So, you know, I really hope that you took some things away from that interview and that if you have any questions, Jess and I spoke at the end of it and and she said she's more than happy to help anyone in this situation or in any way she can. So please reach out. You can pop it in challenges that change us, the Facebook community, which I would love to invite you all to, or you can reach out to Jess. And for all our Owies crew out there, you know, I know you guys love them as much as I do. So don't forget to send them a we've got your back kind of message. All right, guys, I will see you all next week. Thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day. I believe we can learn so much from connecting with other people's experiences and stories. I hope you've gained some strategies and insight from today's episode. You can gain more by joining our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us, or next week we will return with another episode. 